For this episode of Fem Fandom, we're a little content warning here on the beginning. We are going to talk about harm to others, some human trafficking issues, and death. So if uh, any of that can bother you, we'll see you next week. And yeah. to Femme Fandom, where no matter the fandom, you are not alone. And I'm Fern, I'm your host today, and with me is... Oh, is it me? Hi, I'm Megan! And... <laughs> and I'm Kate. And it's Kate. And it's Kate. And it's Kate. <laughs> it's just Kate. Don't worry about it. We are going to talk about some of the darker meanings behind some of the Miyazaki films. Three specifically, Princess Mononoke, My Neighbor Totoro, and Spirited Away. We're going to talk about some darker meanings behind these beautiful and very fantasy-filled worlds. Miyazaki is a very forward-thinking guy. He's very much a feminist and into the environment and nature. So he's imbued a lot of his movies with those types of thoughts. So we can talk about Princess Mononoke first, because it's really short, sweet, and easy. You've seen it, right? Mm-hmm. No, All right, cool. Me. Awesome. So on the surface, it's just right in your face, it's nature versus humans. So there's not really any darker meanings of that. The only thing I could find was that there's lepers in the one scene. That's really it. Well, I found it really interesting watching because I watched it last night for yeah. the first time and watched it with this episode in mind is I thought it was a really interesting how even the quote unquote bad guy was not. Right. You know, so like what's her face? Aboshi. Yes, Aboshi. Lady Aboshi. Lady Aboshi is so, she's so compassionate to other people but when it came to the natural world gave zero shits. Yeah. And like if you were to, if this were written from her perspective or even from the perspective of just like an average human who wasn't Sam or um, from the boys perspective or um, you know those are the, the spirits like if Ashitaka. It, Ashitaka that's right Um, if it wasn't written from their perspective she would have been a hero because yeah. she was so compassionate to the lepers she got women out of brothels yep. to come and work and gave them agency she it just was a very interesting juxtaposition of what your standard bad guy is yeah you know? I, I like that about me is a lot of Miyazaki's films there's never really a standard like this is a bad person he's evil it's they're very multi layered characters mm-hmm. so yeah I had no history with Miyazaki at all before we started researching for this episode yeah. and well this and the full episode as well and like I freaking love these movies like I cannot wait to watch the rest I'm very bummed I can't stream them anywhere yeah and that is a big problem is they're not they're not streamable currently mm-hmm. I heard that they're, they're gonna come to HBO yes is that they're supposed they to pop on the H was it called HBO HBO now go 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 go, go now <laughs> I was gonna say Max but I think that was the channel at one point. Yeah. HBO Max yeah. was a well, channel. Whatever the streaming services for HBO, I read that so they made a deal. Yeah. I know, right? But yeah. So I'm excited for that. Yeah. Not that I pay for HBO, but you right. know. Yeah, so that, like, I couldn't find any other darker things mm. besides just those narrative conflicts that are like man versus man and man versus nature. And those are kind of typical for yeah. stories. So mm. there wasn't anything darker in Mononoke. Um, yeah, that one was a very surface... Yeah. Not surface, yeah. like, shallow, but surface, yeah. like, this is just, this is what it is. Yeah, these are and the conflicts, yep. Hey. We weren't making any metaphors here. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. The very beginning boar scene with the demon in it, and oh it's all, God. like, wiggly and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's 
creeps me out every time. But, oh, yeah. I got weird. a cold chill. <laughs> so I kept looking, and I looked into my neighbor Totoro. <laughs> I have not seen this one. You haven't seen Totoro? Mm-hmm. Okay. I haven't seen Totoro. <clears throat> At recording time, I have not seen Totoro, eventually. <laughs> You'll have to see it. It's, I will it's very cute. I'm excited about it, it, because I, I know Totoro as a character, yeah. but, like... So there was a conspiracy slash fan theory at one point that Totoro is the god of death and the little girls in the movie are actually dead. They die halfway through the movie and he is putting them on the cat bus to take them to their final resting place and they visit their mother in the hospital on their way and yeah. So it stems from a um, murder that happened in 1963 of a 16-year-old girl who was raped and killed while heading home from school. And then her sister was running through the town in the streets trying to find her younger sister, couldn't find her, came upon her body, and then committed suicide because she couldn't save her sister. So people are like, oh, that's just like Totoro. So (laughs) Ghibli, the studio, came out with a statement that said, everyone, please put your minds at ease. The rumors of Totoro being a death god May being dead and other rumors like that are absolutely not true. Someone made them up because they sounded interesting and it seemed to have spread around the internet. (laughs) So please stop sharing these. They are untrue. We hope that people will not believe the rumors and the PR department would like to officially announce that here. So that conspiracy theory, if you run across it, is unfounded. (laughs) The company said no. (laughs) But good for them for saying no because a lot of companies would just let that go and be like, oh, it's interesting and it's getting traffic to our movie and it'll make us more money. So why not? We're looking at you. You Disney. We are looking at you Disney. Disney. We're never going to get sponsored by Disney Plus. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so the company was just like, Ghibli was like, no, no, guys, no. Nice try, but no. Cool theory, not a thing. Yeah, there was a lot of compelling evidence. And as I was Mm -hmm. reading the article, I was like, oh, I mean, I guess. I mean, that fits. Um, I guess in one scene, the grandmother's pouring tea in the box behind her says, in Japanese, says the name of the same town where the girl was from. And people were like, oh. And they're like, no, guys, it's just the name of a town. Like, it's like saying Chicago, not all murders from Chicago are linked to all movies that are set in Chicago. So, yeah. So the Totoro thing is unfounded. So the third movie that we looked up that we've been talking about is Spirited Away. Kate, you brought it to my attention that there was a darker meaning in that. So I did a lot of research and I cross-referenced with many, 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 many different things just to make sure I was getting this 100% correct. But if I'm not, please feel free, anyone, to come back and let us know. People had suggested that Spirited Away is a movie about child trafficking and sex trafficking. It's true. 100%. Miyazaki even came back and said that he confirmed in interviews that he said that he believed the best way to show Japanese society about the industry, about the sex industry and the trafficking industry, was through film. So he made this movie purposely with that in mind. Wow. Oh um, boy. He is an amazing human <laughs> and we all should be lucky to be alive when we are, these movies are coming out. So there's a lot of points that he did throughout the movie that point to this and we can go through them. Um, the first one is that Chihiro the lead who's a 10 year old girl by the way her mother and father are transformed into pigs after they're feasting on all this food and it's been theorized that's to show that there's a debt owed to somebody or something so they sell Chihiro off to repay their debt and she has to work at the bathhouse to repay their debt Mm -hmm. so that's how the movie begins (laughs) yeah I definitely remember watching this movie and getting that like I don't think that this was something that was necessarily like super hidden 
Right. You know what I mean? It wasn't one of those things where it was like, once you know... Then you're like, Then you're like, oh, okay, all this makes sense now. Like, I remember watching it and being like, oh, they're eating food that's not theirs. And she... They can't get out, so then she has to go... I don't remember specifically them selling her, but I do remember her having to go to the bathhouse and them telling her, like, you have to pay for what they've eaten. In the movie, they don't technically sell her, but it's... But it's a... It's like yeah, implied. Yeah. It's, it's, def- it's implied yeah. that the parents have a debt that they owe. Yeah. And so they're using... Yeah, I remember watching it... daughter to pay their debt. I remember watching it and thinking that she had made the choice to go and pay the debt right. for them. But I can definitely... Knowing that this is the... Like, the statement that is being yeah. made and the metaphor that's being made, I can definitely see can where see that... Yeah. yeah. So when she gets to the bathhouse, she goes through a couple of different things, but then Yubaba, the, the witch, or the, the mistress of the bathhouse, she owns it. Gives her a new name. That's the lady with the big head, right? Yeah, big head, big hair. Big nose. Big, nose. big giant nose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you But tiny that. little body. Yeah, this tiny little, like, cheesy she body. She looks like a Funko Pop. <laughs> She does. Oh, yes. She Miyazaki, does. the original Funko. <laughs> <laughs> Yubaba gives her a new name, and it's Sen. Sen, it, when you write it in Japanese, in the characters, is the symbol for a thousand. So a thousand yen. Oh. So that is her price. Wow. That is okay. the amount. And Haku tells her, don't forget your real name. And tells her, don't forget your real name. A couple of different times. That that's what's going to save you. Is remembering who you were, and not getting taken in and forgetting where you came from. So Sen is is a way of saying she's worth a thousand yen in this bathhouse. That's crazy. And it's customary in these trafficking situations in Japan that people are given a nickname or a different name to use. I think that's unfortunately a thing in trafficking in everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's also a dehumanizing thing. So then they can't remember a life before this and they're less likely to want to run. Oh, this is sad. Yeah. Oh yeah, this one's gonna be a rough this one. This is sad, guys. <laughs> Alright. And then she's hired into the bathhouse to work with clients, and all the clients who visit are demigods or gods of different things. They are all male. There is never a female god that is in the bathhouse. And it took me a minute, because I had to think back, and me and my husband sat there and we're like, hold on. And we thought back through the entire movie, and it's correct. I don't remember a female god or a demigod being at the bathhouse to use the services there. They were all males. Mm-hmm. And then all the attendants are female workers, except for those little frog guys. And mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yucky. Mm-hmm. So is it the is the thought process that these were all girls at some point and they just grew up in this bathhouse and just never left? Yeah. Ugh. So some of the older um, bathhouse workers have been there for years and, for years, years, and years and years and years. Because they haven't been able to pay off their debts. They haven't been able to pay off their debt. They can't leave, so they got stuck. And the only reason Chihiro gets out is because Haku helps her yeah. in the end. Yeah. And become and helps her get out. Yeah. Yubaba is the owner of the bathhouse, obviously. She's mm-hmm. dressed in a Western style. She looks a lot more uh, put together, obviously, than anybody else. She lives at the top. She has a penthouse. So obviously she's making all the money. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's that. So um, she's the madam. She's the madam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's some other little things that I didn't put in here, but I figured we could talk about some stuff. So this is wanted. this is the movie that has no face in it, right? I'm not, yes, I'm not misremembering. Yeah. How does no face work into this whole? He's a spirit that takes on the energies of what's going on around him. So when he gets into the bathhouse, he takes in all the negative energy that's happening around him and turns into a monster, a greedy monster, mm-hmm. and turns everyone around him into a greedy monster. So 
then he feeds, literally feeds off the negative and greed that's happening around him, and he gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So that's where No Face is. It's it's a it's a poke at you know negativity, and negativity it will just into feeds into itself, mm-hmm. and it beca- and you become a monster when you become so negative and so greedy. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't necessarily weed into the narrative of the, the trafficking. The traffic. No. I think it's just like it's that. just another little like side. Yeah. Like here's a here's a little thing for you to think about. Right. 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 Um, Miyazaki does that a lot in a lot of his films, where he's like, "Here's this thing, but remember, there's also this, mm-hmm. you know." And he puts things together. Yeah. But yeah, so we're very silent because this is a very heavy episode. I'm also. It's been a while since I've seen this movie, so I'm trying to remember how. So she ends up getting out at the end with the help of Haku, but mm-hmm. didn't she have to get something? She had to get yeah. the golden. I think it's a stamp, and she had to help him remember who he truly was. Who Haku was? Yes. In order to get the... He had it. He had eaten it. He had eaten it. He had stole it from the the sister witch. Okay. And had eaten it. So he was being attacked by a bunch of paper birds. Yes. Or airplanes. Birds. Birds, yeah. They looked like birds. Yeah, Yeah, birds. Okay. Um, And so she got it out of him, and she needed to take it back to be able to, like, remove basically the bounty on his head. Oh, okay. And allow him to live, which mm-hmm. then allowed, gave him the ability to... Oh, he, s- he stole the thing yeah. from for the Yubaba. sister witch for Yubaba. Right. And it got him into trouble. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then she remembered who he was because he's the spirit of a river that she fell into when she was a young kid and he saved her out of it. Mm-hmm. So that's where he knew her from. Right. Okay, so... One note on Miyazaki, he starts these stories, he starts storyboarding them, does not finish storyboarding them, starts his company making the movie, finishes storyboarding. So a lot of times, like Disney, will write the entire story, storyboard everything, and then make the movie. He doesn't finish the story while the story, while they start animating. Mm-hmm. So, and he even said, these stories come to me and they end how they want to end. So sometimes Miyazaki movies are going along and they take these weird turns, but then they bring you back because he's just kind of like going. Yeah. It's also an interesting way to do it because then things that come up during animation and, and your team working on things can change yeah. the total narrative of the story. Because if there's a certain person animating a certain character, not to say that they are that character, but they do kind of create this like, narrative of the character. And so they have an idea of what they would do next, what, what how they would react to things and stuff right. like that. Because you just become attached to things that you're right. you're working on, even if it's not your own right. character, which yeah. is why fan fiction is such a big yeah. A big thing. A huge thing. So how, how did Haku get there in the first place? He wasn't sold the same way because he's a spirit. So he's not remember. necessarily part of the the like trafficking he, network. He got captured and his name was taken from him by Yubaba. Okay. The evil so, so kind of had he that same... He was part of the bathhouse. Yeah, he was part of the bathhouse. Like, I, could, I could see him being like... Because he's... he's Portrayed as a male, mm-hmm. I can see him being part of the trafficking. And yeah, the... well, because it's not just yeah women that go through that. He's either. meant to bring people back. So he's actually the one who's going out and catching. Like, if you remember at the very beginning, she had sent him out on a mission, and he was trying not to do it, and oh, not yeah. to bring her back. And he was trying to hide her, but Baba found her anyways. Mm-hmm. But, like, so his role, I don't know how he got there, but his role seemed to be the person who's actually going out and trafficking the children. And which, bringing them back. Yeah. yeah, which is unfortunately a tactic that is used other where children. other children, mm-hmm. or slightly older teenagers, or whatever, because he did seem to be older than she was. Yeah, a little bit. At least a little bit. Well, you know, in the end, when you find out he's a river spirit, he's probably thousands of years older than she is. Yeah, he's like, 
he's not just 12. He's Blade just, Tales. <laughs> yeah, the, the representation of him t- seemed to me to be in his early, mid-teens. Yeah. Like, maybe 14, 15, 16-ish. Yeah. Somewhere in there. And, and I think it's interesting also, and maybe we talk about this in the main one, I'm not sure, but just the mythology of eating food somewhere that you don't belong and how that yeah. ties you to a place. So, you know, like in the Feywild, you don't eat. Right. You don't take anything. Don't take anything. Don't accept anything. Don't eat anything. Right. Mm -hmm. And then also the Mm -hmm. taking of the name and your name being your power of who you are and whatever. And so someone knows your name, a la like Rumpelstiltskin. Oh, he's only 12. But like, you know, a la Rumpelstiltskin, if they know your name, they can control you. Mm -hmm. And so that whole concept, I think it's such an interesting thing. Yeah. And the way that it all plays into this as well. Well, and and the tie-in to her needing to remember her name and not lose her name and blah, blah, blah because that is another thing of like if you remember your name you can remember yourself mm-hmm. and I think that that is an important I think that's an important concept not necessarily just in mythology which it comes up again and again and again mm-hmm. in right. different areas of mythology but also just in life you know remembering your name helps give you a connection to who you are which is why you know if, if you are a person who is transitioning to your preferred gender or to the gender that you are. I'm sorry, not preferred gender. It is the gender that you are. Having that name to say who you are mm-hmm. is important. Very important. And Absolutely. that's why using people's names is important. Yeah. yeah. Your true name. Your true name. Yeah, there's a lot of cultures around the world where babies will be given their true name, but everybody calls them a second name and nobody ever uses their first true name because it had, holds so much power. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a cross cultures across mm-hmm. continents and, yeah. I, and it is amazing it's such I, an interesting concept too yeah. i think it's funny how americans have taken that to just be caitlin elizabeth and you're, like, oh, you're in trouble and you're like shit what did i do <laughs> yeah and there's like there's a certain power in here yeah. your full name there is and oh that my power god. is oh my god i pissed my mom off yeah. like, <laughs> but that is the reason why middle names became a thing <clears throat> like that's literally why we have middle names and why there is such a a weird stigma around people knowing your middle name and no one ever knows why everybody's just like i don't know you don't you don't tell people your middle name like it's because of this concept of like your full name has a power to it yeah and that you aren't supposed to tell your full name because then someone has power over you whoops (laughs) yeah i I mean mine's all over the place but think about it even today like there are probably you know at least a dozen megan dietrichs in this country but how many megan rochelle dietrichs are there and then you can narrow it down even further knowing that so like if you just put mine out there too um but like yeah like knowing your middle name actually does give some semblance of power yeah. it's also a, a pride thing because i know a lot of people who have middle names that are like either family names or just weird names that their parents really liked and they hate yeah. and so it's like a shame thing of like i don't want you to know my middle name because it's eugene and i hate you like or something like that. Like no offense to any Eugene's out there. No, no offense. <laughs> <laughs> I, I picked that one because it's one of my brother's middle names. So oh wow, and he hates it. He, he has two. He has two. Yeah, his middle names are Kenneth Eugene. <laughs> Poor thing. Poor buddy. Poor buddy. My little brother goes by his middle name. Oh, does he? Yeah, he doesn't like people knowing his first name. It's really funny. Well, he doesn't actually, he doesn't really, let me restate that. When he was younger, he didn't like people calling him by his first name. And so he goes by his middle name. Now that he's older, he thinks it's hilarious when people call him by his first name. (laughs) Um, It's it's very funny. Like, all of his art friends know him as his first name. And all of everyone else calls him by his middle name. So you know who the art people are. 
sounds like you. Yeah. You can tell when someone has met you depending on which yeah. name that they use because we have a lot of friends that have known you for way longer that only call you by your first name. Yep. And so I'm always like, who the hell are you talking about? Or if I work, we have to use yes! like, yeah. I, my I'm, professional name. I've gotten pretty good at, at keeping that switch. But Man. it's funny because if I'm talking to about you in a work capacity, yeah. I'll use your first name. But if then I'm talking about you in a friend capacity, I'll use your middle name. And it's very strange. <laughs> yeah. It's just this weird. I've been finding yeah. that is what's happening with us, too. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, it, but it, it, like, clicks in your head so quick where you're just like, oh, it's but here and but there. Like, yep. it's fine. The older woman that is there that kind of takes her under her wing. Yeah. That first helps her. That first helps her. Yeah. Does she end up getting out in the end? Or no. she takes over the bathhouse or something? Because Yubaba Lynn. dies, right? Lynn. 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 Um, Yubaba doesn't die. Yubaba doesn't die? I thought Yubaba died. No. Or they popped her or something. I no. have this weird imagery in my head. It was no. the contract that Yubaba had made that popped. Yeah. Um, they they break they're able to get uh Chihiro out of the contract. Okay. And pay and pay the debt, quote Wait, unquote. So then the bathhouse is still there and yes. all those other people uh-huh. are still stuck. And... Yep. Chihiro gets out with her parents. They come out on the other side of the river and they wake up or whatever and which at that whole thing also is a, a tactic that uh traffickers use as well. So the way that she gets out is she Yubaba says that she has to pass a final test. Mm-hmm. And the final test is which of these is your which parents. of these pigs is your parents. And mm-hmm. it was a trick question that none of them were. And that's absolutely a thing that traffickers do as well. Where, oh, yeah, no, you can go free if you can do this thing, but it's entirely stacked against them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so that's like, I watched that and I was just like, oh, you son of a bitch. Like, <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. I was very angry because I was like, yeah. I, I used to work with kids that had been trafficked. And like, so I worked in a mental health facility a while and like I remember hearing stories about that sort of thing mm-hmm. and it just pissed me off because it's like knowing my kids you know who I still consider my kids even though I don't work there anymore right. you know knowing my kids and knowing the shit that they went through because some adult decided that well they're easy prey I'm gonna go ahead and just take advantage of this and it'll be fine right you know no one's gonna miss them because they're from an impoverished area no one's gonna miss them because their parents are drug addicts like like the fuck you mean no one's gonna miss them right mm-hmm. you know like yeah. that just oh yeah. it just made me so angry well and I think that's another thing that they point out in the film because if I'm remembering correctly the beginning of the film when she's just with her parents they kind of do show that they aren't they're most well off yeah, she's moving from one town to another, and she's laying in the back seat, and she's like, she's got flowers on her, which her friends had given her before they mm-hmm. left, and she's all being sad and melancholy because she's leaving all her friends in her town, moving to another. Mm-hmm. So in a way, yeah, I mean, if they were still living in the town where she, they knew a lot of people, this probably wouldn't have happened, but they're in transit. Mm-hmm. So they're going to a place where they don't know anybody, nobody's expecting them to be there. Yeah. You know, like... And I also got the feeling that they didn't have a lot because they instantly... Like, I feel like when you have the privilege of not ever having an empty stomach, then you wouldn't look at food that is quote-unquote free and just immediately be like, I'm going to eat this. Right. You're you're probably going to have the thought of like, oh, this probably isn't free. Where is the catch? Where is right. the place to place to pay? Where is the, the shop owner? Whatever. Right. But if you're someone who doesn't have that luxury, you see food that looks free and your first thought is probably going How to be like... How much can I shove in my mouth before I get caught? Right. What can I eat? Yeah. Because I'm hungry. 
So that was another thing that kind of made me think that maybe their family wasn't the As most well, well off, yeah. which is why this I think, whole I think they say in the beginning that dad is her dad was getting a new job too, like yeah. he was mm-hmm. he found a new job or something. So yeah. maybe they were between houses, between jobs, and you know, and that happens too. Yeah, yeah. I think you know. If Miyazaki's goal was to shine a light on this and and show people in Japan and around the world that what happens, Mm. I think that he did an extremely good job of that in a way that is still... It's still a kid's movie. A kid's movie. And I don't want to... It feels bad to say entertaining because of the subject matter we're talking about, but it is. It's an entertaining movie. Like, it is a good movie and fun to watch. It's along the lines of, like, Zootopia, which shined a light on racism, mm-hmm. but in a way where it's palatable for kids to understand, but, you know, and still be entertaining, but still be able to shine that light and be like, here's a problem. Yeah. You know, here's a thing that we need to watch. Yeah. But yeah. I, he, Miyazaki just does such a good job of taking complicated or complex or subject matter that really is not palatable for the audience that he's writing it for and breaking it down into the base forms of it that are understandable because really when you think about all these big complicated complex subjects when you break them down into their base like level they're not that complicated like with the zootopia example like they're yes they're talking about racism but at the end of the day it's not every person acts the same way and therefore we can't treat every person like they're bad just because in, in that case, they're prey animals. They're, they're a prey or a predator, yeah. Right. They're, yeah, predator animals. And I think Miyazaki is, is a good example of someone who takes these big, what seem big, complicated ideas and breaks it down to, like, taking care of each other, knowing who you truly are yeah. is the best way to escape these kinds of situations. Yeah. And just talking about it. Yeah. And even with Totoro, with the whole, her, the mom being in the hospital and almost dying and the girls trying to deal with that, like that, all that complicated stuff is broken down into that really family friendly, you know, mm-hmm. giant fuzzy gray guy. Mm-hmm. And then Mononoke too, with all of the man versus nature and man versus machine and all of those crazy topics. It's, it, you watch it and you, you understand. You're mm-hmm. like, oh, I see all of these things and I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sitting here thinking about Mononoke again and how, like, Ashitaka, how he was sent off as someone to observe without the eyes of hate. Without clouded by the eyes of hate. Yeah. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Something along those lines. And, like, it's so interesting because that's like ultimately that's kind of what it does break down to because you know we're seeing not just man versus nature but man versus man as Mm -hmm. well and how you have a thing i want so i'm going to just take it from you yeah and then we do the same thing to nature where nature has a thing i want so i don't care what damage i do to it i'm going to take it from it right you know and that was the whole thing it was a whole concept of hate and greed of as much as lydia boshi was a compassionate person she also wasn't Right. All at the same time. And just how large of a deal all of that is. You know, it all breaks down to that base of hate. Like, if you love the planet, you're not going to deforest an entire mountain just to get the iron. You'll figure something else out. Right. You'll do it in a way that's that's harmonious with the the earth. If you love people, you won't basically start a war with other people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and just like the whole concept of of that. Yeah. I find it very interesting interesting with 
Mononoke, how Ghibli basically took all of the quintessential conflicts yeah, narrative of conflicts, yeah. stories and just shoved them all into one movie. Every single one that of them. make That makes sense and works really well. Yeah, and I just think that that's delightful because it's man versus himself. Man versus... Man versus nature. Man versus man and man versus technology. Yeah. Um, man versus God. God. Man versus nature. Man versus man. Man versus self. Man versus machine slash technology. Yeah. And it's um, all... It's all in there. Encompassed in that one movie and done beautifully. Yeah. And another thing that they do well, I don't know if this is Miyazaki choosing this or if this is Ghibli choosing this or if this is the distributing companies doing this or, or how they do it. But the barrier I feel like sometimes to movies from other cultures is that first off people don't like reading subtitles which I never really understood but I'm a reader so but second is usually the voice acting because a lot of times what they'll do if they do like an English dub mm-hmm. right yeah. is they'll just translate straight from Japanese but those straight translations don't don't work they sound funny yeah. it's it's all grammatically correct and everything but it just seems robotic almost yeah. whereas what Ghibli did is they recast the entire thing with different actors who have you know American accents and mm. blah 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 which don't know if yeah. that's the best thing but they also choose really good actors yeah who then it, it's not like they just pick Joe Schmo off the street and they're like, okay, here, talk into this microphone and say these words, because sometimes that's what it feels like you're yeah. getting from an English dub. But they also slightly change the words, so the sentiment is the same, but then when the English version is, is out, it flows a little yeah. bit better, and you don't have as much of that barrier between the message that they're trying to give you and the, the language that you're encountering. What they'll also do when they go to the English dub is... Sometimes they'll do introspective thoughts from characters that aren't in the Japanese version to explain some cultural differences between stuff in Japan and stuff in America. Because sometimes it's real different. So there's one point where Chihiro's walking up to the bathhouse and she's just walking and there's not actually any words being spoken, but you get an introspective thought where she goes, oh, it's a bathhouse. Because as Americans, we'd be like, what is this, what place? Is this place? Like, right. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. So she may, they make that statement so we can f- still follow along with what's going on. And it happens in different mov- the different movies and in different points. And sometimes you don't even see it happening. It's so nice to see that, though, because then you get a peek into that culture, whereas, like, the best example that pops into my head of the very wrong way to do this oh, is no. W be kids when they started streaming Pokemon. They changed (laughs) all of the Japanese culture things that were in the show to Americanize it to make it connect with American audiences. So like at one point they're eating like a rice ball. They literally just animated over the rice ball to make it like a sandwich. And it's very obviously it looks like clip art that they've just kind of like cut and paste in there. You should look up some pictures of this because it's so funny. But, like, there was no thought of that, of just being like, oh, you know, have an, like, add an extra line of dialogue or have that introspective moment that explains this small cultural difference so then everybody is on the same page. Instead, it's just like, oh, Americans are too stupid. American kids are too stupid to realize that people eat different things in different places, so we must make it peanut butter and jelly. Like... (laughs) 
don't know. It cracks me up every time I see those. I'm just like, oh, it's funny. And it's the the even funnier thing is the original. I think it was might have still been WB, but whoever originally showed the Pokemon cartoons like back when I was a kid when I was watching them didn't do that. But then when WB Kids came out and they were the ones that started streaming it, all of a sudden uh, it was it. changed. That's interesting. Yeah. So I I appreciate the work that goes into taking something that is from a different culture and and making it so that there isn't that barrier of like I don't really understand what's going on and I want to but I can't I I I just didn't grow up here I don't know what the the background is and taking that away is really really nice Mm -hmm. but there's also something to be said for watching something from another culture and not getting it and having to do your own research and figure it out and yeah and then I had to look up in Totoro that scene where the where they all were bathing at the same time. Yeah, that seems so foreign to me because that's just not a thing that we do in America. So no. I had to look it up. Like, what the ever loving fuck is going on here? <laughs> why are you know, we all taking out everyone? Why is he? Why is the dad bathing with the two girls? Like, I didn't. That didn't make sense. And like, I knew it wasn't like a a weird thing. Yeah, I knew it wasn't weird. It's just it's not something that is it's a normal just, yeah. occurrence here. So yeah. I had to look it up, and it's like, oh, apparently this is something that happens often up until puberty. Opposite gendered. Family, family members, members will yeah. bathe together and it doesn't it's not a thing and then even after puberty like same gendered family members will still bathe together it's like a like a bonding thing yeah yeah which is like super well, cool it's like most places in the world have some sort of bathhouse sauna public baths mm-hmm. type of thing we just don't have that in america because we were founded on puritanical beliefs where sex is bad and you should never have any sort of skin showing skin showing we'll for show any reason heaven forbid mm-hmm. you see a woman's shoulders right Right? I mean, those ankles, you know? You gotta be careful with the ankles, y'all. It makes okay. men go crazy. School dress codes, man. Right? Fucking school dress codes. My favorite's when the boys will start wearing stuff that the girls aren't allowed to wear just to be like, <laughs> fuck you. Yeah. There was a school in you Scotland know. where all the boys wore the, they all asked their girl classmates if they could borrow skirts and they all, like, all the, all the student body wore oh, skirts. that's awesome. Like, short ones. Yeah. yeah. I saw the opposite of this. There right. was a, a boy who was told he had to go home because he was wearing a skirt of an appropriate length, but because he was a boy, he wasn't allowed. Oh. Yeah. And I was just like, why the fuck do we care what people put on their bodies? At the end of the day, if you don't want to look at it, your eyeballs move. Don't understand why that person has to change because you don't appreciate it, but whatever. Yeah, it's the same thing with, like, religion, you know? Like, just because my religion says something doesn't mean that it says that about you, it says that about me. Like, if my religion says I can't eat a certain food, that doesn't mean that you, Fern, can't eat that food. That means that me, Kate, can't eat that food. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It's like that thing of, like, the analogy? Metaphor? I don't know. I was an English major. (laughs) Jesus Christ, I should know these things. But the the concept of, like, I'm going on a diet so you can't have a donut. Like, it's that right. mentality. And it's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's not how that works, it's guys. It's not how that works. No. it's interesting. All right. Any other final thoughts? about Miyazaki and the darker meanings behind his movies or just anything in general. Um, Coming from Ohio where we are, I am incredibly appreciative of Spirited Away and its message um, because Ohio has been in the top 10, if not top 5 for the last like 20 years, 20, 30 years of sex trafficking mm-hmm. because of the way the way our interstates work and the way yes. things... It, it's Thank not... you for explaining that because a lot of people are like, wait, what? And I'm like, it's 
it's the way the interstates work. Interstates, we yeah. have so many interstate exchanges here in, in the in the state yeah. that it's there are like three different cities that are like always within the top ten because well, of the, I think it's the speed to go back and forth with people. I think it's something crazy like fifty or seventy percent of the United States population lives within five hundred miles of us. Yeah, yeah, it's nuts. And then we're less than a day's drive from Canada. Yeah. In addition. So we, we are just perfectly located for all the bad shit. Yeah. Because we're also really high in drug trafficking yeah. and yep. gun running and all the bad things that you can think about. The state itself is not necessarily We're like, nice, I promise. Yeah, we're nice. We're the heart of it all, y'all. Yeah, <laughs> we're the heart of it all. Like, the state itself is fine. It's just because, like you said, because Be- of the interstates. interstates. Yeah. And, and how close we are, are to Canada and, like, yeah. In proximity yeah. to all the different... Things yeah. just run through here. Right. Yeah. It's We are very much an intersectional state. And because of that... It's something that is especially important to me as an Ohioan that this is a message that's put out there because we are unfortunately so often in the position of seeing this without realizing it. And this is such an important thing to pay attention to because kids need to be protected. Mm -hmm. People need to be protected. Mm -hmm. And we can't shy away from those conversations without being a detriment to someone else. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's, it's so important that we pay attention to this. So piggybacking off of that thought for you're the only one that has kids. Yes. Pose this question to you. Uh Do you think that your kids have gotten a message from this movie of this and of keeping them safe from this? Or do you think that this is something that just kind of completely went over their head? and it's going to be a more adult thing. I think it's going to be more of an adult thing. I think they understand the, especially the older ones, they understand that she's stuck and she can't get out and she can't get out unless, you know, she can pass these tests Mm -hmm. um, and she has to rescue her parents. But I don't think they get the whole trafficking thing. Mm -hmm. But I think that's the brilliance of Miyazaki where it's still a kid's movie. They still get that hey, you need to be careful, you need to, you know, if you get stuck, you you know, you need to keep survive to get out. But then the deeper meaning is more for the adults. Mm-hmm. And where, you know, the adults are going, oh, I see that. But still that thought of, if you're stuck, you need to find a way to get out. I think without hitting the nail on the head mm-hmm. would still bring about that. Yeah. That point. Well, in remembering how she got out and how yeah. uh, Haku got out, it's, again, working with trafficking victims for a couple of years like I did, the ones who have done a better job with their recovery after the fact are the ones who never lost sight of who they were. You know, the ones who... Remembered their name. Remembered their name. Yeah. And how important that is and how important it is for those around us for when we forget our name, that those around us can help us remember in the same yeah. way that Sen did for Haku. Yeah. Um, it's so important that you remind your friends or whoever if you see them in a bad situation. And it could be anything from trafficking to just a bad relationship, you know, an abusive relationship. Remind them who they are Mm -hmm. and that they are bigger than this and strong enough to do it, you know, and that you will have their back in the process. It's so important. And I I do think that this was a movie that that aspect was more for the adults Mm -hmm. to remember, to protect the young ones. Yeah. The younglings. The younglings. younglings. So. The nerdlings. Yeah, the nerdlings. It's heavy stuff. Yeah. Human trafficking is a, is a topic that is very, very close to my heart in terms of something that needs to be ended immediately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah. The unfortunate know. thing is if there's humans, they will buy and sell each other. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, unfortunately, that's just, it's a, an evil thing that just is going to happen and we can just do our best to 
take care of what we can. Mm-hmm. No, we can do better. Let's get it we together. Can. Yeah, yeah. Take care of each other, please. All right. So this was a heavy episode, mm-hmm. but I think we're done. I think so. Everybody good? Yeah. All right. So this episode of Femme Phantom was produced by Rick. Yay! Going to be edited by Miss Kate. And if you want to email us, we're at femfandompod. or gmail.com. Mm-hmm. No dot after pod, sorry. Um, or you can catch us on Twitter at femfandompod. You can get me, Fern, at Fern Fandom. I'm Megan, and you can follow me on Twitter at Callie Rome. I'm Kate, and you can catch me at Geekery and Coffee. And uh, just remember, everybody, no matter what the fandom, you're not alone. True that. Mm-hmm.